mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Episode 72 is the journey episode. Don't stop believing. Yep, 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 yep. I actually, I I don't want to say no, but I I have a friend who has a sibling that their birth name wasn't journey, but they are now, I don't know if it's a legal change, but now they are journey. So I actually have heard the name journey before. Oh, interesting. Uh Wheels in the sky. Yep. Keep on on turning. You have to be like, turn down. Um. (laughs) So I actually have a Mildred minute. So I think we've talked about this before, but Mildred is not saving herself for marriage. <laughs> she very freely gives out pieces of her heart because she gets her mac. On. She loves a mackin. <laughs> she loves it. She makes out with Henry the Hedge. Or, mm-hmm. or like whenever I like open the front door and I like allow her to like go out there if I'm going to get the mail or go get the mm-hmm. garbage bin, she doesn't miss an opportunity to uh, make out with Henry. Mm-hmm. She makes out with the shower curtain. I mean, you just take your pick. And then during the Halloween season, my <laughs> goodness, she had a whole bevy of suitors because. I have like pumpkin pails that I keep underneath our Halloween tree because I have a year-round tree that I decorate. Mm-hmm. So underneath the bottom in place of like presents, I have a bunch of pails. But then also when I was getting ready for my like Halloween vintage sale, I also had vintage pails out while I was mm-hmm. like cleaning and pricing and taking pictures and stuff. This girl, the whole month of October, September, October, making out with pumpkin pails. That bitch loved her a pumpkin. She was just like making her way through the the line of pumpkin pails, just making out with each of them. And so, by the way, if if you happen to have bought a vintage pumpkin pail from me, there is a very good chance that Mildred had her way with him before <laughs> he made his way to you. So, uh, FYI, <laughs> Mildred had her way. <laughs> oh my gosh! So Mildred and her macking in mind. <laughs> Go to Christmas time. Okay. So we've now had Mildred seven years. She made it through five fucking Christmases where she does bat around at some ornaments towards the bottom mm-hmm. of the tree. So we pick, we put the very non, you know. Non-fragile. Yeah. <laughs> ones at the bottom and she'll yeah. knock them off and like whatever. But besides that, there wasn't a whole lot. She made it five fucking. So she has her own little pink tree. Mm-hmm. It was Momo's first. Of course. But it's like, it's not a tabletop. It's like, it's like four feet. It's smaller, but it's, mm. it's a, like a ground one, like four feet, hot pink. And it is like glitter flocked. Yeah. For the lack of a better term. It's, mm-hmm. it's glittery. It's flocked yep. with glitter. She went five fucking Christmases where there's, this wasn't an issue. <sighs> and then suddenly last year. She couldn't stop making out with the fucking Christmas tree. 
So it became a whole, like last year I was like stacking stuff up around it to try to mm-hmm. get her away from it. I'd completely forgotten about it. And then I set up this year and then she was over there macking with the tree again. I'm like, oh, I forgot. And all you hear in the corner is. <laughs> and then you, you hear the tree like rustle. So like I put like a blanket over the front of it. She was still crawling underneath and getting to the other yeah. side. So then, and I, we have like this, um, I don't know how you describe those things. They're meant for outdoors, not netted. I don't know how you fuck you describe it. But we have this like light always, up cat. I always describe it like you see them a lot as like reindeer. Yeah. Out on the lawn where it's like a wire frame that's like covered with that like garland material. But then there's lights along it. But it's similar to that, but it's a little gray cat. So we have a little gray cat that we put over there, like, by the tree, and we plug it in and light Giant it up. Giant nugget head. So, like, I was putting, like, the the cat around it and everything mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't good enough. She was still getting back there and making out. So then I put a whole other, tr- like, blanket on the back of the tree, and I was like, I fucking got her. And, like, I covered it, like, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I really got And then I was like, I have to be really <laughs> careful taking the blanket off that it doesn't take an ornament with it. Right. And Because there are fragile ornaments on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to be really careful. But for, 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 like, a good week, I thought we were, like, solid, right? Yeah. And then I was coming. I was finishing work for the day. So I was in our office. And our office connects to the rumpus room where this tree is. And I'm walking out of the office, and I just hear. (laughs) And it's totally silent otherwise. And it took me a second where I was like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is she doing? Like, where is she? What is she doing? (laughs) That little bitch somehow still got up in there. It was at the back of it. And when I came over there, mm. I could just see one eye. Yeah. <laughs> and she was in the back corner and she was trying to act like she wasn't there. And I was like, you little bitch. And then she came running out. So I don't know what to do with her. Yeah. It probably feels good on her gums. Probably. So yeah. Mildred's macking on the Christmas tree. So now I've covered it even more. Like, I don't know how much more to cover it. It seems to have worked. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I just keep covering it more and more. And, like, and I thought I had it covered the first time, but now I added a third blanket. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not going to get to this tree. I'm not going to allow it. So, so then. What you, so what you're saying is in October was her original Mac. So this one. I know what you're getting at. I know where you're going. So this one. Return of the Mac. Is the return of the Mac. Return Once of again, the Mac. Top of the world. <laughs> um, Yes. So, I I just yeah the the pathetic thing is that we have a decorated tree covered in blankets, and I'll just remove <laughs> the blankets when people come over to act like it's actually functioning as decor. Uh, because we this... used to like turn the lights on on all on the it, trees. And it made a really good yeah, like it was great corner. It's in the corner, mm-hmm. and, and it now... was like pink, so it like illuminated everything in like a rosy co- Christmas color. Like you know? now. Like it's like just fucking pile of blankets until we have people come over and then I'm like, oh, see, this is like this all the yeah. time. It's not covered in blankets. And we have good, we have good ornaments on there too. Yeah, you know, Mildred. I got get her it together. an amazing can of tuna this year. We have sardines. Yeah, we have little gray cats. We have two Aristocats. Hell we yeah. have Dinah and Alice from Alice mm-hmm. in Wonderland. Yep. We have a felt ornament that I made. We have a lot yep. of ornaments. Yeah, but this whole that this n- this hoe. Won't stop 
making out with it long enough for me to enjoy it. Millie says, there's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. Yep. <laughs> Mildred. All right. So that's my Mildred minute. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. So this episode is called Duggars Fly South. And it premiered February 9th of 2010. Mm-hmm. I almost said 2020. I don't know. That just almost flew out of my mouth. Um, 2000 was 10 years ago. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. I said it almost flew out of my mouth and it's uh, Duggars Fly South. Man. It sounds like a theme here. I am. I, I would like to say, yet again, how we like how things line up. Mm-hmm. I really like it. So it's another Christmas episode. So I like that Christmas. as we're... Christmas. Oh, Martha. Oh, Christmas. We watched that the other night. Um, so but it's, good. I like that like it's Christmas at Christmas time. Like, yeah. even with our... Bre- it's funny that it still lines up with, like, think of the random breaks we've taken and, like, things mm-hmm. like that. Somehow, it's just continues to line up in a nice yeah. way. So the episode begins with Pess saying how after the sudden birth of Josie, quote, Anna and I had to step in and help them as much as we could. Uh. Okay. Yeah. We. Y- you and Anna. Yeah. Not, you know, not Anna. Yeah. You too. You were involved because, you know, he's the brother and he's in charge. Oh, yeah. I hate to equate it to Mildred, but we make that joke that that's what Mildred says. Where she was laying with me when we were finishing something on the computer, and she's like, "Yeah, we were totally doing this together." Well, that's that's our ongoing thing with Mother. She's like, Tim gets home, and she's like, "Yeah, today, uh, me and Mama, we uh, uh, we worked on this, and then we, yeah. you know, we we cleaned the patio, and, mm. and and then you know what else? We then we cooked dinner." Yeah, the difference is she's endearing and not a felon. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. not a you know sexual deviant. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, mm-hmm. not a. Yep, <laughs> that helps. Um. But then he continues on that they've had a trip to Florida to visit the Kellers for Christmas planned. And he's like, it's tradition. It's year two. But he's like, it's tradition. <laughs> um, and they're going to continue on with, with the trip as planned. So Pess and Anna are in Mildred. She's messing with my tater tot markers. My bingo markers. Um, okay, so they're in this talking head. And they're talking about how... McKinsey, can you hear this? They're I think talking- she's confused because they look like tater tots, and she's like, they don't taste like anything. She took a bite of one. She legit she put p- one in her mouth and kind of stood it. there weird, yeah. <laughs> and then dropped it on the floor. She says, Mom, I hate to say it, she says these tater tots kind of suck. <laughs> what are you doing, kid? Okay. So they're talking about how Mackenzie is growing and she's mm-hmm. like three months old now. And Pess says <laughs> she's twice her weight too. And at first Anna says, yeah, like she does the automatic agreeance. I'm going to agree with you yeah. and look at you. Yeah. But then he continues saying she was born at eight pounds and she's like 16 almost. And that's when Anna starts making faces. <laughs> of course, this is going in visuals. Um, she's like looking at him, but like kind of making like mm-hmm. the uh, like face, mm-hmm. <laughs> like n- no. And so he looks at her and she says, and he says, 15. And she whispers, 12. And he shrugs his shoulders and says, oh, 12. And like she just like called him out. She's like, mm, That's no, not the case. no. Yeah. And then Anna, she laughs like a big laugh. Not a sweet IBLP wife laugh, mm-hmm. like a pretty good big laugh, and says, 
not quite twice. Well, she's growing, so that was the save there at the end. <laughs> so she was like, I'm going to help you out. Let's be real. That was the go-to wife, like, I'm laughing at you laugh. <laughs> yeah. That's what that was. I get that all the time. <laughs> but she's not supposed to do that, so she had to give a save, you know. That's true. She's got to save it. And he's like, and he, it's kind of like whispering it. He's like, not whispering, but like quietly. He's like, I thought you said 15, 16. And then the whoever's asking the questions kind of like quickly moves on. Like, it's almost like, okay, this is getting yep. like, it's getting weird. And then when they're asked if they're getting more sleep, Pest, of course, acts like, you know, he's missing out on tons of sleep with his facial expressions. Of course. This is early too. I'm sure. Yeah. And Anna's like, not last night, but he just looks so put out, which I'm telling you, you'll see. I, I find it hard to believe he didn't, doesn't sleep through everything that happens with the baby. Uh-oh. find it hard <laughs> to believe. Mm. Uh, so bingo square discussion time. I'll, I'll, I'll describe the scene in a second, but I'm okay. proposing Duggar time. Agree. Because... I am dying inside as Pest explains that it's yep. eight seventeen a.m. and they have a thirty-minute drive ahead of them just to get to the mm-hmm. airport, and that their flight takes off at ten. Mm-hmm. So that's not even boarding. That's not you know. Which means your boarding usually happens about twenty-five minutes early. Yeah. Yeah. So if you calculate that in there, that like that's when they open. Uh-huh. To get on the plane. This is not happening to me. It is how many fucking 13 years ago and my ass is still puckering as he's saying this (laughs) because I'm like, who does? I can't. I can't. I am the epitome of the meme of like showing up two hours early to walk over to your gate just to make sure it exists before you go get a cup of coffee or something like that. That's me. I'm like, let's go make sure it's still there and it hasn't disappeared. Two hours is legit too. Like if she's not there two hours ahead of time, she starts to sweat. I can't fucking function. So like if we're... If I remember correctly, I think the last time we flew, we were getting through security and you were starting to get antsy because it was only like an hour and 45 minutes before our (laughs) flight was taking off. And you were like, are we going to make it? And I'm like, yes, like I'm literally taking off my shoes. Yes, we're going to be fine. It's not like we were stuck in like a line, you know, it It was a little rough. I just like to be there and know. So this doesn't work for me. This whole, it doesn't work. You're like a you're like a father when it comes to the airport. Oh yeah, I no, for sure. Like and even this last time flying, oh I And you were flying by yourself, maybe, so there's yeah, maybe I could do a whole pickle on the topic of <laughs> flying by myself, but not just because of talking flying by myself. It was what it uh spurred in me that I realized, oh, when you have a partner, you become really dependent on your partner for certain mm. things for confidence. But that's That would a, be a pretty good one yeah. like travel cuz I've actually traveled a comparatively more a lot more than Whitney has for work. So I've had to navigate foreign, like, you know, air li- air, airports that I'm not used to or anything like that, you know? Mine is just more of, like, the general topic of, like, oh, once you, you start to be, like, I'm used to just having another brain here to depend on, and then I freak out when I don't have that second brain with me. <laughs> yeah. On and a random just- side note, if I can, before you any hoozle, we were in the San Francisco airport. We went to San Francisco. They had this badass like mini museum thing of like stewardess uniforms. It was amazing, yeah. But from... they had they had some of that at um Sky Harbor too. Oh yeah, that's both. true. They had it both. Yeah. It was such a cool look because Which is it was right like... up my alley. I loved it all. Yeah, like I love like the whole mystique of like Pan Am and I liked like the fact that they had 
you know, branded luggage and stuff. It wasn't like just their uniform. So yeah. any hoozle. Any hoozle. So it's 8.17. 30-minute drive ahead of them. Flight takes off at 10. And mind you, it's their first time flying with a baby and a car seat and all the extra shit that comes along with that. Plus, he's saying this and they aren't leaving or anything. So it's not like it's, it's 8.17 like they're the and they're process. like, you know, pulling out of the driveway. Like, mm-hmm. they're not even close. So, oh, let me mark off Duggar time. Okay. So, we've seen in past episodes, like, the doctor's appointment, that this is clearly not how Anna operates. Mm-hmm. And it does bother her, and it does stress her out. Like, we we know that this is just, like, not her normal. And she's just like, yeah, this is fucking ridiculous, but mm-hmm. she can't fully say that. So, she's masking it a bit. And... Like better this episode, I'd say. Oh but yeah. But you can still, you can still feel it. Mm-hmm. But she's clearly waiting on him, so she takes it upon herself to load up all their bags into the car, and then this fucking asswipe saunters into the living room and says, "Did you already take it all out there?" Mind you, Anna is now also doing dishes. <laughs> so she loaded their bags and she's doing dishes, and then he has the fucking nerve. To ask, are you ready to go, babe? What was he doing all that time? Is what I want to know. God, I mean, because he wasn't loading the bags. They don't have a giant house, so he wasn't out like threshing wheat. Like he wasn't chopping down a tree. What were you doing at this point? This is where um, my mother would say he was farting around. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I had a friend that used to say piddle farting, and I have no idea what that means. But he'd be like, "I'm just piddle farting around over here." partner and so like that always was such an older generation thing to me and i remember when i worked with a girl that was a few years younger than me but she's the one that i've kind of mentioned that grew up very kind of fundy light mm-hmm. she used to say farting around all the time and she was like 24 <laughs> and i was like man i haven't heard somebody this age be like farting around <laughs> so yeah so he has the nerve to ask her like are you ready and she musters up um trying to sound chipper and says i am ready and um it's like she's been waiting on you brosif like she should be asking you that yeah. question but you know you always gotta she's like been the one loading the car she's fucking loading every bat like she's got everything ready she's doing fucking yeah. dishes i just want to know what he was doing they show her time. even like packing bags and like all they do yeah. is show him looking sleepy and being like yeah i really want to know what he was doing Piddle farting around is what. <laughs> and it just gets worse. Because Pest drops Anna off, you know, and the baby off curbside. And Anna's like, I, I can take the suitcases. And he's like, yeah, I can't leave the car. So then we get a repeat of their wedding night. You know, the scene of Anna handling all of the luggage. But this time add more luggage and a three-month-old yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. And I walked in on Whitney watching this part, and she was like visibly under duress. <laughs> I was like, "Watch this!" I he hadn't watched the episode yet, but I'm like, "Watch, watch this!" Yeah. <laughs> and what do you know? Anna can't manage it all. She's trying, and she's like, "Uh," like kind of like almost like nervous, like "Uh," like she's really trying to make it work, and she's just mm-hmm. like, "Uh," because. What it is is that there's two rolling bags. 
but then each rolling bag has like a bag kind of Attached like strapped it. strapped mm-hmm. around it like over the like handle part so it's even heavier but also kind of like heavy like top heavy and kind of like weirdly you know or whatever mm. so they kind of like fall to the side and makes the whole thing go and pest is even like oh we lost the diaper bag just like <laughs> yeah it is an odd exchange it's, it's so and you know i'm sure he was dropping her at the curb thinking we're we're late let's get you dropped off mm-hmm. or maybe it is for her to not have to walk so much i don't know but she can't they she's not going to leave without you so like it, mm-hmm. this does nothing really you know but um he realizes that she can't do it alone and he ends up walking in with her so i'm like maybe the crew just stayed by the like someone from the crew stayed right. in the car or something but they don't ever show all they do is show him walking in and then they're inside yep so it yeah. feels like i understand that we're watching this years later and the mindset is like, oh, look at all the dumb ways he's reacting to this. But like the appropriate way to do that is to either let her get off, you go park the vehicle, and then you bring both bags with you. Or you let her take her own and you bring your own from he the car when you park the, the car. Like, he should have let yeah. her walk in with the baby because she's not going anywhere without her. Right. She's not going to go. I'm, I'm telling you. Do you think there's a chance in hell that she was just going to walk through with both bags through security? No, they needed him to have his bag and her to have hers. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, what'd you say? I said I would have. I would have left him out there. But like <laughs> drop her and the baby off so they don't have to walk. Then you go park the car and you bring both the bags. Mm-hmm. You uh, fucking unbelievable. <laughs> it was- not not counting the fact that neither one of us think he's a good human being anyway but it's just very funny to watch it and be like ah, ah, ah. like that was the noises whitney was making watching this episode. i was like look at this look at this and i'm like going back i'm like you gotta see this <laughs> like even though i knew he'd be watching the episode but i was just like you got look at this this episode is the epitome of pascom pass if we like, still had that really, square we would have put three yeah, markers like, yeah. on it it would have counted yeah. for three he's such a piece of shit man <laughs> So Mackenzie does well on the flight and there's footage of Pess and Anna like on the flight with a lip lock. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it doesn't look tight enough for me for my liking to count as a tight lip lock. <laughs> in fact, I saw Anna's mouth open as he was going in. So Oh my. It was uh it, it was a bit more graphic than we're used to. A bit more explicit. We're used to like an audible noise um <laughs> tight-lipped peck with very pursed lips that they're gonna like they're gonna have major lip lines as they get older (laughs) because that's how tight they're pecking if there was a marshal on the on this flight they would have put a stop to that huh to this not tight-lipped kiss that was on there there was a marshal too much pda i said if there was a marshal on the flight they would have put a stop to it so Ma and Pa Keller are there to greet them as they arrive at the airport in Florida. And I got to say, Tim, found out that Anna and I do have something in common. Uh-oh. And that's a love of palm trees. <laughs> she does remark on it multiple Twice. times. Like yeah. in their talking head, she was like, oh, it'll be warm and the palm trees and the ocean. And I, I go, whatever, because like, you know, you're talking about all of those things. But as they're exiting uh, the airport mm. into it, she goes, palm trees homegirl misses a palm tree i i love a fucking palm tree i really do and one of my friends was like they're not native to arizona i'm like i still love them leave me alone <laughs> um partic- i love the really tall ones 
mm-hmm. sway because like when it's a little even just a little bit windy it sounds like you're at the ocean and it's so relaxing <laughs> like one of when our neighbors we... behind us has the tall ones we have mm-hmm. ones that are not the tall skinny ones we had mm-hmm. just have like right i don't forget the different types but one of our neighbors behind us has the tall ones and so if it's a little bit breezy i'll go outside and just stand there and listen to you it. can hear it yeah i love it and because there's so many in our neighborhood that are that way we used to like go on bike rides and you could hear it it's so nice mm-hmm. it's, it sounds like you're at the ocean in the middle of the fucking desert it's it's very relaxing and that's why i also love that song by surfaces palm trees yeah. So there's a little digging on <laughs> in the middle of the episode. Look up Palm Trees by Surfaces and it's a it's a jam. Underneath the palm trees. They also do a That's a good jam. They also do a really good version of Little Saint Nick if you're into that Beach Boys song. We're just throwing throwing all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So yes, Anna and I both love palm trees, apparently. <laughs> Arriving at the Keller compound. I am impressed by Priscilla's festive attire. <laughs> Her shirt with the with the embroidery on it. She's got some em- embroidered candy canes. I it would definitely qualify as a hashtag festive Friday DUTD. <laughs> I, I'm into it because they're kind of even vintagey looking. I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. So good yeah. on you, Priscilla. I enjoy your festive wear. Mm-hmm. Pest and Anna are staying in the camper that's on the Keller property. And it's the same camper that Pest stayed in when they made the trip there for wedding preparations. Mm-hmm. They even flash back to the scene of Susanna showing the pillowcase yep. of their fabric likeness. Mm-hmm. Which we saw again when yes. they were packing to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Because that took place in that camper. And it was funny to see it only 16 months ago. It's wild. Isn't it crazy to think like, God, this stuff is a lot closer together than mm-hmm. like... When you stop and think about it, you're like, yep. yeah, lots happened. Yeah. Or just a lot of footage has, a lot of show has been created for <laughs> a created very- created a lot of content. Created a, because that was season one. Yeah. We're in season four. It's so it's like, they're just, it's a lot of shit in a very short amount of time. <laughs> I do want to point out before we move on that they are in uh, Gainesville, mm-hmm. which I have no understanding of. I've never been there, but- it falls onto my radar because one of my favorite bands of all time, Less Than Jake, is actually from Gainesville, and they have a really good album that's called GNVFLA that's kind of about them growing up there. That's probably top three favorite albums of all time. Okay. So, well, he, Gainesville, Rock City, Less Than Jake, yep. All right. So Pess did have to throw a little bit of shade, and he said... In Florida, though, there's lots of vegetation and stuff, so every once in a while, you have to pressure wash it. And I guess this one hasn't seen a pressure washer for a while. What was that about? That Why felt completely a, unnecessary. You're being a dick just to be a fucking dick. Like, yeah. It seemed like they were like, hey, we need you to say something, and he didn't know what to say, so that was his first... Well, he starts out saying, like, oh, we stayed in the camper. This is where I stayed before. It's actually pretty nice. Just say, just say like, it's nice, actually, you know? And, like, Anna has a part where she was like, I've never actually stayed in it because we've always used it for guests and i've never been a guest in my own house i'm like you Mm could have just been like yeah i stayed here before and it's nice and stuff he's like looks like they haven't fucking washed it in a while (laughs) i know it felt really weird i was like Uh... hey asshole like (laughs) unnecessary at best so now the whole fam the whole keller crew they're all headed to gator landing for dinner 
Please tell me you have the pest quote. Um. Well, I have. It's really kind of a special place. There it is. Because remember, <laughs> when he says special, he means special. The fact that it came up again, I was like, oh. It's really a special place. So it's apparently almost uh. a year and a half to the day since the proposal. And Anna says, now we can kiss. And it's a bit tighter this time. Down, so I can, girl. I know. They do a lot of kissing this episode. They do. But it's a bit tighter this time, so I think we do officially have a tight lip lock. Not there so wasn't a whole a lot of mouth. bingo action in this no. episode, so because it was mostly about them. Yeah, like, so it's going to be slim pickings when it's yeah. not like got the family, like the whole f- crew, because mm-hmm. there's, there's just less to work with. And also, with as much as they showed of both of them, there was no phone belt clip until they were in the airport in Florida. Mm-hmm. There was, I kept my eyes peeled for that belt clip and it did not appear until like halfway there, through the episode. It fucking knows. Do you see? It knows that it's like, <laughs> oh, this is an official, we're going to make it harder since we're not an official since square it's anymore. Sa- it's, it's an honorary square. square. Yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at the restaurant and it's all gussied up for the holidays. And once again, I appreciate the festive wear of the gators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gator statues are mm-hmm. rocking Santa hats. Yeah. So thank you. You know what it reminded me of last year when we did the uh, the TV thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of my favorites. That's where you... I'll put it back on this year. Yeah, you put the Santa hat hanging on the top left corner of the TV, and then if it ever lines up so it looks like somebody's wearing it, then you take a drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> it's just a fun game. Yep. I actually think I probably still have a... I probably eventually deleted it, but the very first one I ever got and posted, it was... Um, lip from shameless and he was like so perfect <laughs> oh, like, it couldn't have not have been oh, more yeah. perfect and i'm like oh look at it and i'm like lip yeah. is wearing the santa <laughs> yeah think about all the actors in that that have like the younger actors that have like gotten kind of big yeah one of them's playing a jedi in like a video game that he's really big cameron winahan and then um what's his name from the bear like yeah jeremy Allen white yep yeah there's a lot of cool. people in that show so as the whole family sits down to eat, Pa Keller is saying stuff to the camera, you know, about how like just about like the proposal and being back. And he says, quote, it's incredible how time flies. Josh has been such a blessing as a son-in-law. Yeesh. <laughs> and I would say because he doesn't know what's to come, but he he does know what's going to come. Remember what he wrote about him in his fucking letters? So it's like it doesn't fucking matter. It's not even just like an ignorance thing. It's like you're just that. You're that. You're you're just mm-hmm. shitty, too. Yep. Yeesh. All the way around. <laughs> and the whole family sits and eats in the exact same booth that the proposal took place in. And there's mm-hmm. more kissing. Yep. Anna's horny this trip or something. Yep. I don't know. Anna's feeling it. Yep. Must be that dirty camper. Oh, yeah. She's like, I like it dirty. He's over here bitching about Beating. the... Yep. Maybe about she the... just really, really likes palm trees. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, Gotta you know what? Mood. That's what it is. Gotta that's what it is. Mood. It's a it's a relaxing vibe. <laughs> that's what it is. I like he, palm he needs trees to have he needs to put a palm tree thing on his uh on their iPad at home. <laughs> like the like the sound yeah. app to So now Josh and Anda, they it's they're showing them like another day attending church where I think the pastor I think it's the pastor, right? Yeah. Apparently he also has a plane. So after church is over, they head to his house because he has like a, he looks like he has a big piece of property. Mm-hmm. He's got like a hangar and like a runway and all of that stuff. And 
So they go over there, and my favorite part is as he and Anna are kind of checking out the plane, Tess bumps his head pretty good. Did you notice it? I didn't notice he, this. He bumps it pretty good, and he tries to play it off like it didn't happen. And for like a split second, shes you can tell that she's about to be like, oh, like, are you okay? But then she realizes that he's, he's trying to play, play it off. off. So then she kind of like stops. <laughs> but it doesn't even... um. He, there's just no acknowledgement that it's a decent smack. And it's, it's a pretty good smack. <laughs> Damn. So. On the plane? Like he hits it on the plane? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like no, when they're I trying to like look in like to like the little door and stuff like that. And it's almost like a I, I, window is not the right word. But it's like there, there's some sort of piece that like is window looking that's on like um one of the... Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop talking. I don't know the part. So I'm just going <laughs> to shut the fuck up. It's like off the wing, but off the top, the bottom of it, the top. Mm-hmm. I don't... Never mind. It doesn't fucking matter. He hits his head. <laughs> it's the propeller, see? So Anna is overall pretty nervous about Josh going up in the plane for a ride. And it probably didn't help her nerves when it took several times for the guy to even get the plane to start up. <laughs> which is, which in things that I've watched is pretty normal for a plane that small. But it would make me nervous if I was but it, nervous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. I'd be like, oh, great. It's just revving right up. Like, <laughs> uh, so then, you know, they take off. And then Anna comments how Josh has been gone a long time. Would they say you- an hour and a half? Well, my before that, I have to say. <laughs> get used to it, sister. Josh is going to be gone a long time. Gonna, yeah. So get used to it, but also enjoy it. You know? <laughs> but you're correct. They'd been gone for about an hour and a half. Mm. So she's kind of talking about how, like... She's still nervous, and she says that there's knots in her stomach, and she feels like she's got morning sickness again. I feel like you got to see a lot of these little moments where you saw bits of her personality that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I made a note about it. Like, I think in all of it that they've shown her, I feel like she's not, like, off-putting. She just, she's kind of just there you know what i mean i can't remember if i brought it up specifically but there was a past um in one of the past digs where i brought up it was when i was talking about their timeline i think Mm -hmm. of their relationship i believe it was that dig i'm not sure but when there was amas there's been multiple people like that have known anna that said they're like she's actually not like a fucking doormat in person they're like she's actually was like a little bit spunky a little bit feisty a little mm-hmm. bit more like whatever so i remember some of them commenting that it was actually interesting on the show because they're like that's not what i knew her to be obviously they knew her before mm-hmm. like getting married and stuff and because of their whole ideas of marriage that could definitely cause you to change like your personality a little bit right but then uh, they're like that she just was a little bit more fiery than than what they show but and i'm like i think you can see bits and pieces of that where it's yeah. like she isn't a total at all times total doormat and then other times she is so yeah. it's like you know i think it kind of comes with the territory when you're mm-hmm. in this deep and you're drinking the fucking kool-aid and yeah. you know but but yeah just interesting you get to see these little flashes of her like talking yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and they kind of a couple of times they make it seem like they're gonna land and then they like take yeah. off again they do it like twice, two or three times, I think. I feel like if you did it once, it'd be like, uh, oh, cool. They did like a buzz, the the landing, kind of wave at everybody. But they, they did it like three, three separate time? times. And I think and she in, was like. 
in my head, I'm like, are they having trouble landing? Well, that's what, they... I think that's what she was thinking, too. They're like, this is not making it better. <laughs> yeah. Are they, like, coming in too hot and they can't, like, land? Because that's how it felt. Yeah. <laughs> so, finally, they land just a little bit before the sun sets, which is what, you know, obviously, they needed to be home in time for. <laughs> and then the episode closes out with it being Christmas morning, and we just see very little, um, some self-shot footage. Mm-hmm. Of everyone opening gifts, and that's kind of it. Yeah, I did. I, I, I looked around. I saw no stacks or Pringles. No, no jerky. Different household. I bet he was. His Christmas morning was ruined. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was definitely some B roll episode. Yeah, it was a way to get another Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. I I did like the fact that you did see a little bit more of Anna's personality. Um preacher guy that has a mini air port in his backyard is a little weird it was just weird how they were talking about it because they were like oh this is so and so he runs this church here they've been friends you know he's a pilot and then pest was like well he's an insurance salesman by trade so he just like has his pilot's license you know cool have your hobbies but i don't know all of it was just odd yeah. A little odd. So yeah, that's the episode. It's about Ribbeth. it. Not even close to a bingo. No. I there's two squares. Yep. <laughs> I mean not I, the phone belt clip, you know, it's free square. But um yeah, so I just have tight lip kiss and dagger time. Was there another one? No. Yeah, that's it. Because a... what's funny is when we formulated these options, we talked about how because they're becoming so focused on the kids that a lot of them are more like kids oriented. And then they didn't show any of those kids in this episode. Yeah. You yeah. Know. So, yeah. All right. Honey, you didn't lose in bingo this week. Not this Are week. Are you happy? Um, yep. Thrilled. <laughs> Christmas gift to myself. Exactly. I uh, I realized in our search through Christmas movies, we, didn't, we don't have Die Hard. And then when I looked on streaming, almost every single one of them is streaming except the original. Like every single one is on Who something. Who cares about the other ones? The only one that matters is the first one. <laughs> the first two were really good. The only thing that matters is the first one. <laughs> That's very true. So, um, so I bought, I bought Die Hard. So that showed up today. Pretty excited. Yep. But all right. So we're keeping it seasonal today, and we're going to dig into the war on Christmas. Oh my! While there are sentiments about this that many, you know point way back in history today i'm going to be focusing on the more modern version of it okay maybe i can cover you know stuff with the puritans and other moments in history some other time Mm -hmm. but today the focus will be on the last like 25 ish years or so okay so while many point to bill o'reilly from fox news as the sort of origin of the modern war on christmas we actually have to take it back about five or so years earlier The phrase, the war on Christmas, first came about from a man by the name of Peter Brimelow. Okay. Now, Peter himself would be a fascinating dick, (laughs) (laughs) but he doesn't really have any religious tie-ins, so I don't think that'll happen. So, um, this is like the mini dig on him. That's funny. But Cliff's notes are, Peter is a piece of shit. So, that's that. Okay. 
Peter worked as both a writer and editor for publications such as Forbes and the National Review and is basically opposed to immigration in all forms, both illegal and legal. Oh, more like National PU, am I right? Yeah. Never mind the fact that he himself immigrated to the U.S. from England. There it is. There it is. In 1995, he even wrote a book called Alien Nation, and he's basically just a fucking racist son of a bitch. <laughs> like, um, and he's actually, and he's considered like the leader, like the promoter, like the man behind mm. like the anti-immigration like movement type thing. Okay. But now I'm just going to read you some direct quotes from him, and just an FYI, these are in no particular order. So they're just taken from over the years, even to the more present. So some are from his book. Some are from C-SPAN interviews that I watched and read the transcripts of, um, transcripts from conferences, etc. So this isn't just from 1995, but it's to kind of give you a vibe. I'm prepared to be horrified. He said that Americans' immigration policy is, quote, Adolf Hitler's posthumous revenge on America. Okay. Okay. And he's also said, uh, the plain fact is that Obama's administration has a very shallow roots in historic America. It is, to put it brutally, a minority occupation government. Diversity is not strength, it is weakness. Wow. Washington has forced whites, who for most of U.S. history would have been simply called Americans... To recognize, if only for now, at a subliminal level, that they have common interests and must act to defend them. So he's like, well, you know, being white, American just used to mean white. Now we have to call ourselves whites. It's your problem that we have to say whites now. You oh. should just be American. Yeesh. You, you know, for somebody who benefited from the melting pot genesis. Oh, I'll of, get there. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the plain fact is that the I'm already Ob- horrified. <laughs> yeah, he's already got it. Literally, he already has his hand on his like <sighs> forehead. Um, we're five seconds into this. <laughs> he says, "Um, oh, get ready, oh, God, Tim, <laughs> get ready for this one." <laughs> Quote: Hispanics do specialize in rape, particularly of children. They're prone to it compared to other groups. Wow. Okay. Okay. I cannot even begin to tell you how much material I had to choose from and how hard it was to narrow it down to just three and only present those three. <laughs> because, like I said, I could do a whole fucking dig on this guy. Um, It's just more than a person can fathom, but I think these give you a general idea of what we're working with here. The type of guy that Peter is. Okay. (laughs) So in a nutshell, he believes immigration is a threat and will turn white people into a minority. He immigrated, but go ahead. (laughs) But he's white. (laughs) He also stated at a conference, quote, If you don't like the ideas of whites organizing to defend their interests... Maybe you should have thought of that before driving them into a minority through immigration policy. Well, 
he refers back to the changes in immigration policy that were in 1965, like there were like amendments and things, mm-hmm. for causing, quote, imminent, unprecedented ethnic and racial transformation of America. I would like to take the time to note that he immigrated after 1965 himself. <laughs> oh my but God. carry on, you know. He continued saying that America had been transformed away from a, quote, specific ethnic core, which he had no issue bluntly stating was white. So the core of America is being white. Okay. What he's saying. So I guess because he's white, it's okay that he immigrated, you know, I guess. But he even to me still contradicts himself because he's still very... I, I, to me, it seems outright says immigration needs to stop. Mm-hmm. It, it's wild to me. Um, and like I was kind of talking about when I was like, oh, I'll get to that. He specifically says that the U.S. is not a melting pot and it's not a salad. Like he he talks about like grouping of people and like you're supposed to stay within like your group. So I'm like, mm-hmm. so weren't you supposed to fucking stay in England then, bro? <laughs> like it makes no sense to me. Like, yeah, the mental gymnastics that you have to go through to think that this is your opinion is crazy to me. It's disgusting. And, you know, I, like a lot of American children, grew up with the whole melting pot thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember the very first time I heard the salad version Mm -hmm. was, oh, one of my favorite teachers of all time, my U.S. history sophomore year, Miss Mamula. Miss Mm -hmm. Mamula, love ya. Um... And I remember she was the first time that she brought up the salad thing to me. And I'll just never forget because it sticks with me. I just remember there was she was sitting on her desk and she was like dangling. We got she was fucking cool as shit. We were her <laughs> first time teaching straight out of college. So she was like 23 years old. And I just remember her like dangling like her. She was the cool teacher. Come she on. She was now. so fucking yeah. cool. She was so fucking cool. But no, but she honestly taught in such a way that I was like, oh, my God, I'm so interested. Like, mm-hmm. she. I was so into history because mm-hmm. of her. Yeah. And I just remember her passion of talking about how I was so, ex- she would talk about going out for drinks with her friends the night, the night before <laughs> and being like, I'm excited tomorrow. I get a lecture on the black plague. And I was like, <laughs> she's like fucking pumped to yeah. give this like lecture. Anyways, she was the fucking coolest. And actually, cause that was her first teacher appreciation week. I went and got her flowers and like a, gift card and i remember mm-hmm. she was like oh my god and she said that she sent it i remember her t- i remember being a little bit embarrassed though because she like told the entire class like i brought it to her in the morning so i wouldn't have to carry it around and then in class she like told everybody i did and she said that she sent a picture to her boyfriend who's now her husband and he was like she, like joking around but he was like who is he i'm gonna kick his butt and she was like it was a girl and he said well i'm gonna kick her butt and, but i just remember i was like i could feel myself getting red because i'm like oh, i just yeah. i just wanted to bring it and it just be like a yeah. And she was like telling everybody and I'm like, I'm like the fucking nerd that like brought the teacher. But she, no. I just remember how excited she was because I knew it was like her first teacher appreciation. Yeah. Any hoozle. Can I make a comment before you, any hoozle? Yes. I have a similar thing. And then first of all, I want to shout out all of those educators that can make you excited about stuff that you I wouldn't normally be I love history now because of her. Yeah. Like I was always the science kid. So like that was kind of inherent. But I remember when I went to high school in senior year, the senior year science class was physics. And I will tell the story later on, maybe not this episode, but like (laughs) about why that 
class was so damn cool. But the thing that I appreciated was the teacher, when you would roll in, would like have everyday experiments that were just like on his table. And he would do stuff to it and then be like, can anybody tell me like why this works or why this does this? And the thing that I always remarked on was that it doesn't matter what group you came from. It doesn't matter how good of a student you were. It doesn't matter anything. Every person in that class loved physics. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to have like one of your last classes that you took be something that you were like, I'm bummed. Like, yeah. You know, to see all the different groups of people come in and be excited, like, was a special educator moment. And I mm-hmm. fucking love that. Yep. So. Um, there's there's little tidbits of leadership stuff that I take out of that class. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I just realized I never actually stated the whole thing about the salad from her. So, um, anyway, so dangling her, I just remember her sitting on her desk, dangling her legs, explaining the concept of now we don't say melting soup because then it's like you become too a mesh. But she's like, it's more like a salad because you're still your individual things, but all together you make this great thing, but you still have your individual. Like if you pick it up, you're still a tomato. You're still a piece of mm-hmm. lettuce. You're still this, but together you make this great thing. So it's not about melting into each other anymore. It's yeah. still like that individuality. And I just, I'll never forget there was a certain way that she said it. And like, I can remember her facial expression while she said it. And she was like, you know, in a salad, you know what I'd be? She's like, I'd, I'd be an onion. And she was just like so passionate even <laughs> about saying about that this, she would yeah. be a fucking onion. Yeah. So Mams, love you. She's no longer Mams. She's got a married name now, but she'll always be Mams yep. to me. So, love you, Mams. A, I'd be a bako. <laughs> Not a piece of bacon. I'd be a bako. I think I'd be a tomato. Don't you think? <laughs> I think so. I'm a tomato. What what salad ingredient <laughs> ingredient would you think all about be? It. You know, I'm I'm kind of on her level with the onion. I'd be sh- thinly shaved with my wonderful vegetable peeler. Um, I'd Put be thinly shaved. Water red onion but if i can't be that i'd be a tomato all right tomato (laughs) so yeah he's like yeah there's no such thing as like you know the melting pot and salad and okay so he actually we're, we're talking about this peter guy right so he actually ends up getting fired from his job at the national review oh seemingly for his book and his racism that's just continually getting like louder and louder. It's worth noting, though, that he wrote articles with the same sentiment as this for the National Review before he even wrote his book. In fact, an article he wrote for them was sort of the basis for the book. So it's not that the messaging wasn't there previously, but now it's just more blatant and out there. So it seems like now they're just like, well, now you've gone too far. (laughs) Like, now you've crossed a line. Like, suddenly, you know, suddenly it's ridiculous and too much. Yeah. But he was sort of considered extreme, which he is, by a good chunk of conservatives at the time. So his messaging was out there and he did have some support. But in the more mainstream conservative worlds at the time, they didn't really want anything to do with him. That they were kind of like, okay, like now you're too much. Go, go, mm-hmm. go. So after they cut ties with him, he decided to start his own thing. So the website vdare.com was born. 
born in the United States, so it's fun. So <laughs> no, it's all good. It's allowed. And just a funny little tidbit that I enjoyed because it ties back to our theme here even more. Peter launched the website on Christmas Eve 1999. It becomes his new home to be able to spew his bullshit from. Mm-hmm. And the website described itself as being focused on, quote, the radical and cultural identity of America and only desiring honest consideration of race and ethnicity. The foundations of human grouping, yeesh, that human differences can be explained and their social consequences understood, whether those differences are philosophical, cultural, or biological. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, V-Dare quickly became the home for writers as well. Um, when For other writers, I mean. Mm. When they, too, got fired from their jobs for being racist fucks. Mm. So, you know, it became this, like, whole hub, right? Right. Just some quick examples. One writer claimed that requiring whites to live among non-whites is utterly unnatural. Wow. And while another uh, writer claimed that white people naturally have a higher IQ than black people. Oh. So that's the type of people who got fired from their jobs. And he's like, and yeah, come gathered. here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they These all are his come people. Here. Yeah. So Vider quickly became the place to give white supremacy and nationalism a platform. Great. Peter, though, he denies Vider as being rooted in white supremacy. Oh. Saying the goals of the website and writers, quote, aim to defend the interests of American whites. But to him, that's that end quote. So to him, like he's saying like that's not the same thing as being a white supremacist, because quote, they do not advocate violence. They are rational and civil. They brush their teeth. <laughs> I don't even fucking understand. Like, if that's supposed to have some other like side meaning, I don't even get it. Do you? Because it's the insinuation of the fact that other people on the other side of the argument don't brush their teeth. It's the it's the dehumanization yeah. of the other side of an opinion. They're rational and civil. They brush their teeth, but they unashamedly work for their people. End quote. Wow. So apparently, um. White supremacy only exists when there's violence. Okay. And clean teeth. Yeah. Um, no, dirty teeth. He's saying that they have the clean teeth. Oh. So the it would be dirty pe- people with, that don't brush their teeth are the ones. Yeah. So, you know, it's totally different. They're just defending whiteness by saying you're all ruining America. But they're not. That's white, it. They're not white supremacists, though. No, no, no. <laughs> God, silly. Uh. Who even thinks that? We only do what that group does and say what that group does. But, like, we're not like them, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Our teeth are cleaner. Four out of five racist dentists approve this website. <laughs> God, it's crazy. But they've also said, quote, get used to it. As immigration oh. policy drives whites into a minority, this type of interest group White nationalism will increase. Okay. So get used to it. The attitude. Wow. They're so defiant. Yep. So you might be thinking that 
you know, I thought this dig was about the war on Christmas. So stick with me because we're Just, getting there. I mean, if we're, if we're, that's the pattern of behavior. We're getting there. Holy shit. So remember how I said Peter started the website on Christmas Eve of 1999? Well, that very first post was titled, How the H-U-D Stole Christmas. This first post was actually rather short. He was pissed that the U.S. Housing and Urban Development, I'm going to say department, I don't know, whatever you want to call that, but um, that the Housing and Urban Development Department dared to call their December 21st celebration a holiday party with the theme being a celebration of holiday traditions. Disgusting. <laughs> right? Fucking disgusting. Disgusting. So different, and it actually kind of sounds like a fucking rockin' party, okay? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just saying, and act, you know, um, just because I was putting together, I'm like, oh, you're hearing these names that like, I didn't know at the time what they were back in 1999. What's this, um, Andrew Cuomo? Mm-hmm. he was the secretary of this at the time so like oh, the wow. invitation was coming from like his office and he was like look what he put out he's like i got he's like i got this leaked invitation and look what's coming from him um so here but here's this wow. rockin' party ready so different floors of the venue had different themes i fucking love a theme you know so the fourth floor featured various traditions like from kwanzaa the Native American celebration of the winter solstice, Hanukkah, Ramadan, the Three Kings. The seventh floor had a Latin dance party. Disgusting. So, I mean, it sounds great to me, but according mm. to him, there must be a lot of rape going on on seventh, the seventh floor, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Eighth floor had a jazz lounge. Ick. The ninth floor had Santa. It, it was called the Santas and Singers floor because it had live gospel and choir music and a visit from Santa. Wow. Awful, disgusting. right? Just fucking disgusting. <laughs> no, gross. Just off. I mean, how dare they? So Peter wrote, quote, the ongoing culture conf against Christmas has now extended to any direct mention of it at all. Even when other, in in parentheses, by the way, holidays are ritually specified. Because, you know, holidays is in in quotations like it's not a real thing. Or of something. course, yeah. You know, yeah. it's not real. Well, you know that all these other cultures just made up made those things. Made it all up. So they could be anti-Christmas, yeah, right? Yeah, that's why it exists. Okay, just I just want to make sure just that Just to we're... be in opposition to Christmas, that's why they're here. Yeah. I mean, they have to be something new. You yeah. know what I mean? They're obviously... Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop there, though. On December 12th, 2000, so, you know, like, little, about a year later, mm-hmm. Peter made a post on the site titled, War Against Christmas Competition. In the post, he states that how, um, before he was fired from the National Review, he had proposed this idea of running an annual competition for, quote, the most egregious attempt to suppress Christmas. Wow. And that they had been like on board and it seemed like it was going to go somewhere. But that now that he's gone, he assumes that that's not going to happen um, at the National Review. But that quote, the war against Christmas rages on part of the struggle to abolish America. So. Christmas is abjectly American, right? Yes. yes. 
Okay. Sounds it. Okay. Sounds it. I just want to make sure. Okay. So the previous year, what had chapped his ass was that holiday party. But what's chapping his ass this year? In 2000? Oh, it was an email from Amazon. Oh, my God. It's just so funny to think about Amazon back in 2000. Like, back in the day, Like, you're you're like, whoa, people, like, I mean, we were not there. Clearly, my family was nowhere (laughs) close. Um, But here's just parts of this email. Ready? Dear Amazon.com associate, happy holidays. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Too early for Jingle Bells? Well, the holiday shopping season is in full swing, and we're riding with an exciting seasonal promotion we've designed just for you. We want to help you make the most of this once-a-year opportunity, so we've prepared a special holiday link for your site. Okay. Disgusting. So, if as if that email could get, I mean, as if it could get any worse. Yeah. They dared, Tim, to include a wrapped-up present graphic that said, Holiday shopping from home. Fucking- how do you let that go out? Like, how does their marketing team, how is their marketing team okay with that? That's what I want to know. Of all the audacity that Jeff Bezos has, this takes the cake, you know? Can you even Fuck all the other believe- shit. Can you this even is, believe it? This is the worst thing he's ever done. How dare he? <laughs> so, Peter replies back to Amazon saying, quote, We could be interested in this, but only one that makes some reference to Christmas. Do you have that option? Amazon replies, and they have the gall stones, um, quote, They're bitter. In regards to your email, we only have this image available. We may have others available in the future. So Peter continues in his post, quote, In other words, mentioning Christmas is not even an option. And that not even an option is in italics. So, you know. That would be him like storming out. Basically, yeah. This is him going. I'm never going to eat here ever again. No, for real. And cool. he expects right. them to be like falling over themselves to get his business back. Awesome. I hate. Please don't. I hate to say it. What's his name? Peter Biblo. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yes. I. That's a nanny reference, by the way. Because her name was Heather. Pamela Anderson plays Heather Biblo. Heather Biblo, and that's what I've been thinking ever since you said it. So Peter Biblo over here. We're not going to be able to say his regular name for the rest of the (laughs) time. No, not at all. He's Peter Biblo. He is. Congratulations. So Peter Biblo said, "I'm never shopping here again." Can you give us like a little bit of an update? Is Amazon doing okay? Oof, I might have to look that up and get back to you. Okay. I just want to make sure that Jeff is all right because Peter because like <laughs> threw down a burn on his way out and he I just want to make sure. He drew a line and he was like, you're losing me. <laughs> He's might he might as well have burned Amazon to the ground like at that They point. lost so. him. So, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck, Jeff. You lost Peter Biblo. It's <laughs> oh. fucking insanity. <laughs> oh, any hoozle. Okay, so this is where we finally get into it. I, oh. I, I, no, I know it took a while to get here, but I found it not only interesting, but important to really understand the mindset and belief system propelling the person who first coined the phrase, the war against Christmas. Because and the, the abject mindset to just be mad about everything. Yeah. Like to instantly 
take in any sort of anything and be able to twist it into him being absolutely outraged? Yes. Okay. Because anywhere I looked, everyone points to this like post Mm -hmm. as being the first time this phrase is uttered. Okay. So I felt that simply pointing out that the first time it was used was in this post just didn't do justice in terms of understanding it on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. So that's why I felt more background and history on Peter Biblo um, (laughs) felt necessary to like the bigger picture. Yeah. So a Christmas Eve post written by Peter himself um, and not one of his other fucking racist asshole writers (laughs) seems to be somewhat of a tradition. I love a fucking tradition, but they're fucking killing traditions here, right? (laughs) So just 12 days after his first post stating the war against Christmas, he shares a photo submission to the contest, which is a sign from the Queens, New York. Oh, my God, Queens, New York, because of nannies from Queens. (laughs) Well, no, she's flushing. Yeah. Um, But it's that's a that's a neighborhood in Queens, New York. Yeah. Look at this. All this nanny all wrapped up in here. So, and he and he would probably hate her because she's Jewish, you know. Yeah. So the nanny name friend. I have to record, fix that in editing. <laughs> that was a little fix that in editing. Um, okay, so where was I? Okay, so this flushing. Uh, no, it's not flushing. This Queens, <laughs> New York post office has a like sign stating, "Quote: No matter how you say it, Happy Holidays." I mean, fuck them, right? And underneath it has how to say Merry Christmas in different languages, as well as like Happy Kwanzaa and things of that nature. So, mm-hmm. you know, fuck them, you know. They might as well be spitting in my face. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> so he writes, can you spot the missing greeting? And greeting is in quotations. Because it doesn't say Merry Christmas in English underneath all of those things. Oh so, you know. That's the big problem. So they're the winner of the contest that year, that year one. So the War on Christmas posts continue on the site every year to this very day, pointing out anything and everything they deem as a threat to Christmas, as well as continuing to host the contest and picking a winner. Okay. I literally could go on and on about this guy. I, I literally fucking could. Like, um, oh God, I'm I'm blanking now because I didn't write it down, but they got they were like considered like a like a hate group Mm -hmm. you know like categorized as like a hate group Mm -hmm. and they like are going against that and because they've been called like white nationalists and white supremacists like he literally like went to court for like a defamation lawsuit and the judge was like yeah no this isn't defamation (laughs) like this is what you fucking are like but it's fucking wild and even just looking them up today like a article was just posted about like people kind of like because they just bought this like this well-known castle as like their Mm. office for this him and his wife who's like 40 years fucking younger than him it's wild and she writes for them and has and like she's just as racist um, oh yeah and um like they they were so they bought this castle and people are like it's like this historical castle and they bought it and use it as their office now so people are pissed so then people from the organization that have deemed them a um a hate group got tickets to go to their Christmas event that was last Friday <laughs> night and they went to it and they got in and everything wow. like that and then partway through he realized who they were and they were like you need to leave and like oh it's so interesting I was wow. like down a fucking rabbit hole it's good stuff any so 
Remember how earlier I said at many points, that was me trying to just like, I'm raining it in on this guy, by the way, this Peter Biblo. I'm raining it in. So remember how earlier I said that many people point to Bill O'Reilly from Fox News as the sort of origin of the modern war Mm -hmm. on Christmas? Well, we're finally actually getting there in the timeline. It's 2004, and Bill devotes a segment of his show to a topic he titled Christmas Under Siege. His complaints? The lack of religious floats in holiday parades. Mayor Bloomberg of New York City unveiling a holiday tree. And stores like Macy's not using Merry Christmas as a greeting. He says that phrases like Happy Holidays, he's labeled them as anti-Christmas because he says it represents the marginalization of the holiday. Can I interrupt with something? Oh, yeah. It's... the whole mindset has always been dumb to me, but it's this idea that like when other people have anything, it means that you have nothing. Like that's yes. such a stupid uh-huh. mindset. Mm-hmm. No one anywhere here has been like, we are going to be anti this. When he like thinking about the holiday tree, that's not inherently Christian, you idiot. That's that tree is not that thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So once again, lumping all of this into that is just, so so baseless there was a whole separate um there there's a whole separate sideways thing i was researching that i ended up not including in this dig Mm -hmm. because it could be its own thing but i was looking up stuff about like and i came across thing about kirk cameron and it was like he was trying to say that well like christmas trees are christian because god created the tree and i'm like sorry oh my god i'm like you could create you could make that argument for anything Oh, so man. I'm like, is everything fucking Christian because God created that I, that thing or because God created the person that created that thing? So now it's Christian. Like, I don't know. It's just such a fucking it, mental it's, gymnastics. It is a whole. And I, I was like, yeah, I can't go down this, this because it was too no. far off topic. But I was just like, oh, my God. I, I So hopefully this gives you guys like a glimpse into like you guys hear this stuff. But then the other roads that leads me down. Oof, man, it's a whole fucking thing. <laughs> Anywho's also, um, he said, quote, now all of this anti-Christian stuff is absurd and maybe and may even be a biased situation. But the real reason it's happening has little to do with Christmas and everything to do with organized religion. Secular progressives realize that America, which is so funny, totally sidestepping for a second. Secular progressives, 2004, if it was today, they'd be like libs. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah. just funny How to that see the difference. Yeah, uh, they would never say progress secular mm-hmm. progressives. Now it would be like these libs. Yeah, got to get people angry. So secular progressives realize that America, as it is now, will never approve of gay marriage, partial birth abortion, euthanasia, legalized drugs income redistribution through taxation, and many other progressive visions because of religious opposition. But if the secularist secularists oof, it's a hard word to say at times yeah. can destroy religion in the public arena, the brave new progressive world is a possibility. Today would be the the lib world. Like Yeah. <laughs> um that's what happened in Canada. So oh. this is what Bill O'Reilly has to say, okay? 
So this segment brought the war on Christmas sentiment to the more mainstream media. It was no longer a blog you had to seek out anymore. Mm-hmm. It was on the 24-hour news channel with millions of viewers. Mm-hmm. So it just snowballs from mm-hmm. there. In 2005, another Fox News commentator jumped on the war against Christmas bandwagon. A man by the name of John Gibson, who hosted the show The Big Story with John Gibson. He released a book titled The War on Christmas, How the Liberal Plot to Ban the Sacred Christian Holiday is Worse Than You Thought. So I actually ordered this book and I read most of it because originally I planned for today's dig to be about the book alone. Mm -hmm. But then hours into reading the book, I completely changed my mind. So again, you can see where where the things go with creating a dig. Mm -hmm completely changed my mind and i decided i wanted to cover the topic more in a general way and how it has played out in society over the years Mm -hmm. instead and i mean also because i got sucked into the dumpster fire that (laughs) (laughs) that is peter biblo you know um (laughs) and the true origins so things shifted and now maybe in the future i'll cover the book as a whole but for now just understand that it is Story after story, chapter after chapter, just detailing individual cases that this, you know, Gibson guy says illustrates this war, you know. Mm -hmm. For example, quote, every time a supermarket checker or store clerk greets you with happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, you have met another soldier in the war against Christmas. Once again, I think when we've talked about issues when it comes to like retail or like service employees, I feel like they're already dealing with a rough time of year. Yeah. Because people can be very difficult all year round, but it feels like it gets worse and worse the closer to, you know, the holidays and Christmas. Everybody's in a rush. Everybody's more impatient. And there's just more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. And... Like, you're putting a target on somebody's back for something that is completely non-partisan. Like, it's not, it's literally, like, it's literally them telling you a salutation or, uh, like, a farewell in your interaction. Mm -hmm. And you're putting a target on their back to take that full frontal. And that's not okay. Yep. But they're soldiers in the war against Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. So, since this topic is really the basis of the war on Christmas, I, I mean, they, they find plenty of other things to tack on later, but since these different greetings and things are the original thing that got people, like, really, like, riled up, and it's a recurring theme even today, mm-hmm. I want to take a moment to point out a couple things. So, the phrase or greeting, Happy Holidays, has been used in the United States for over 150 years. So the wars lasted 150 years. <laughs> yeah. so, for example, there's an 1863 Philadelphia Inquirer advi- advertisement using that phrase. Disgusting. I, so they were disgusting even back in 1863. I'd never go to Philadelphia. Never. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, seasons greetings, it's a little harder to pin down exactly, but you see it becoming more widely used in the 1930s and 40s. 
So these phrases had been in regular circulation for many, many years before they became this like loaded, controversial thing. Mm-hmm. So back to John Gibson's book. One last example I'll give is how he takes issue with school districts calling it winter break rather than Christmas break. Because to him, it was, quote, asking people to ignore the obvious, to pretend that they did not know why the school break was taking place. So he's like, it's simply an acknowledgement of the obvious. That's his argument. And then later he says, quote, no one is confused about these facts, yet for the ACLU who were aiding like in a lawsuit, yet for the ACLU, even acknowledging on the school calendar why school would be put out of session for two weeks, bracketing December 25th by printing the word Christmas in a little square on a calendar, would be a crushing blow to the imaginary wall separating church and state. Remember, making them to be the ones that are completely out of question. Oh, yeah. Like, they're the ones that are being, like, imposing here. Not me. Well, I feel like it's like, and there, you said it, though. Mm -hmm. The reason your panties are in a bunch over this is because you do believe that the U.S. is a Christian nation and that there should be no separation between church and state. Mm Mm-hmm calling it an imaginary wall mm-hmm. so yeah we're going like what the fuck do you care about christmas versus winter it's because it's not just words to them it's the literal fear of losing control and to it's people an like him any other word than christmas is a threat it's an attack mm-hmm. um so that's kind of all i'll say on his book for now uh, it was just story after story talking about all of these attacks one of my favorite memes about that is a posting of when Bing Crosby released his recording of Happy Holidays. And it was like, what, in like the late 30s or something like that? And it was like Bing, Co- Bing Crosby, the original arbiter of the war on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like <laughs> Bing Crosby, Happy Holidays, recorded in 1936 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Oh, man. This one's wild. So back to Bill O'Reilly, he couldn't just leave that segment in 2004, you know, the Christmas under siege. He had to keep it going. Of course. In fact, it was you know, pretty much like amped up every holiday season. Mm-hmm. Yet another holiday tradition. Great. Um, something to look forward to. So as the years passed, he had even more material to work with because so many others were joining in on this, like, cause, right? The Committee to Save Merry Christmas was formed, which organized boycotts of federated department stores. And the American Family Association began a naughty or nice list, which lists retail stores and how Christmas friendly they are. That one's on theme. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I appreciate a theme. So. We love um, a theme unless you're a racist piece of shit. <laughs> Heard. So the vice president of the AFA said, quote, there are secular forces in our country that hate Christmas because the word itself is a reminder of Jesus Christ. They want to eradicate anything that reminds Americans of Christianity. That is why it is important to remind governments and companies to keep the word Christmas alive. 
AFA wants to keep Christ in Christmas and Christmas in America. So companies are like reviewed in up to like nine different categories and they can land anywhere from being like exceptional um, to those who hardly use the word Christmas as a whole and do not Mm. recognize the holiday along with categories for marginal retailers. So just to give you a glimpse into how they decide these things, there's this quote. Print media, broadcast media, websites, and or personal visits to the store help to determine a retailer's rating. If a company's ad had references to items associated with Christmas, such as trees, wreaths, lights, etc., it was considered as an attempt to reach Christmas shoppers. I'm ready. I'm (laughs) so ready. But I was just thinking, though, imagine them, like, coming to our home to rate us, Like, (laughs) like, in our house. We get lots of points up front because of like our Christmas tree, our wreaths, and the fact that there's fucking something Christmas every fucking five inches, you know, like our house. Like I remember my brother, it was especially, I mean, in our townhouse because it was so small. I remember my brother-in-law was like, oh my God, it's like fucking Christmas threw up in here. (laughs) And I'd say it's less bad here because our house is bigger, but then I just added more. So we're very, we're very Christmassy is all I'm saying. So I think we'd get a lot of points because of, you know. Christmas adjacent items. We have a lot of it in our house, but we would definitely get points taken for like the lack of nativity scene mm-hmm. or the fact that we send out happy holiday cards. Yeah. So that's, that's a no-go. We would get, we'd get a, we'd get a middle grade there. <laughs> I want to point a meme out that I saw a couple days ago. So if anybody knows what Warhammer is, it's a tabletop RPG, but like you have like little figurines that you put onto the the play space. And the whole thing is like people will like build their own, you know, play pieces and they'll paint them and they'll fit them into the theme and like they'll throw that in there. So it's very much like you build the things that you use in this tabletop RPG. And somebody put that nativity scenes are Warhammer for old for older people, <laughs> and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, I this is just because we're talking about making other like nativity scenes. I love that meme that's like on like nativity like on a budget, and it's like the Coke cans that have like all the names, Jose, and but then they have the pack of cigarettes, the Camel cigarettes. That's <laughs> yeah. my fucking favorite part. Yeah. So they've got like the Joseph and the like. Sometimes Mary. that's gonna be Jose and they have Mary, but then the fucking cigarettes fucking does it for me. The Camel box fucking does yeah. it. Sends me every time. I love it. Between that and the and the Yoda putting the Yoda in with all of that nativity scene and being like my grandmother hasn't noticed yet dude have you seen the um i I see people keep posting like i see i think it's a meme um but it was like oh my god look at the minimalist nativity scenes and they're just like colored blocks Mm. even the fucking block even in block form like jesus is still white (laughs) <laughs> they make it they made like joseph in one of them like uh, brown but i'm like they couldn't have made like they will never let jesus be brown like he's always <laughs> white even in minimalist block form he's a fucking white block it was like just make it brown uh, well, they, they, they just they refuse to believe that jesus was brown it's just any hoozle i gotta find where i'm at peter biblo is a big fan of those white blocks <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. he definitely is 
So we're talking about the AFA and their naughty nice list, right? Mm -hmm. So the AFA president said, quote, you might ask why we think this is an important battle. Well, secular liberals in our nation are bent on minimizing and even removing any mention of Christianity from the public square. And no other time of the year reminds people of Jesus Christ and America's Christian heritage more than the Christmas season. So, again, it's about the U.S. being a Christian nation. So that's at the, that's at the, the center of all of this. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to rattle off some of the other events that have taken place over the years in this War on Christmas. Which brings us to the subject of cups. <laughs> yes, cups. Cups, 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 cups. <laughs> Specifically, coffee cups from Starbucks. In 2015, Starbucks released their seasonal cup and people went nuts. Lost their ever-loving minds. Mm-hmm. Starbucks began releasing holiday cups way back in 1997. And the design differs every year, ranging anywhere from snowflakes to reindeer ornaments, maybe a pine tree, even green stripes on a red cup. Mm-hmm. But in 2015, they went more minimalist. Um... With like a plainish red ombre cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, how dare they? <laughs> so the VP of design at Starbucks said, quote, In the past, we have told stories with our holiday cup designs. This year, we wanted to usher in the holidays with the purity of design that welcomes all of our stories. Then in another statement, they said they took a cue from, quote, Customers who have been doodling designs on cups for years. This year's design is another way Starbucks is inviting customers to create their own stories with the red cup that mimics a blank canvas. Disgusting. This whole cup thing blew up. Blue cup. <laughs> in in big part to a man named Joshua Feuerstein, who calls himself an evangelist and internet personality, but really he... He's just another asshat on the internet. So, um, Because he posted a video that went viral titled, Starbucks removed Christmas from their cups because they hate Jesus. So I pranked them and they hate it. Quite a title. Wow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> wow. That's the title. Okay. So this 12-year-old. <laughs> uh, sidestep, though, for like a second... It's just extra funny to me because I don't feel like Christmas was really the center of their cups ever. Like, Mm-mm. there were some Christmassy type stuff on the cups over the years. Like, there was ornaments. Mm-hmm. But I would never say that it's like, it felt like Christmas it was a itself Christmas was. Cup. Yes. Yeah. And they never even, like, said Merry Christmas on them or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, nothing actually fucking changed. Like, in their when you look at their lineup of cups over the years, the very first cups were fucking purple for God's sake. (laughs) Like they would have lost their fucking minds back in 1997, but this is a new outrage, you know? So, okay. Back to this douche canoes video. Josh's don't have a very good reputation on here. So we haven't seen a lot of good Josh's um, on this podcast. I guess Josh McDonald was okay. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, he was fine. Josh was yeah. fine. That one, he was a fine one. Joshua <laughs> Harris made a turnaround. Mm-hmm. So. But I do want to say, not my Firestein. <laughs> you know who I think of? Harvey Firestein. Is that, is it, that how you say it? It's F-E-U-R. Why are you saying fire? I say fewer. Really? 
I always think I'm just thinking of. Are, um, we, are we saying the same name? I don't know. I'm if just we are. thinking of Robin Williams' brother from Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know if we're saying the same thing. The same spelling. I don't think it's the same spelling. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make, make me, me a, a match. Or Independence Day when he goes, I have to call my mother. <laughs> <laughs> that's my fire steam. Is that how you say it? I don't know, but that's what it reminded me of. So, mm-hmm. any hoozle. So, okay. So, back to this douche canoes video. In the video, he said that Starbucks employees aren't allowed to say Mar- Merry Christmas. Okay. That's not true, by the way. <laughs> That's... Like they'll get written up the second <laughs> it comes out of their mouth. It's not yep. true. Mm-hmm. But rather than boycotting, he asked people to join in on the same prank he had pulled on them. Um, spoiler alert, it's not much of a prank, Brosif. Like it's okay. not much. Where he told the barista his name was Merry Christmas, so they had to write it on the cup. <laughs> God, he Good really one. showed them. Good one. Owned them. Yep. Got him. Uh, I will say it's kind of funny because I'd sort of forgotten about it. I don't ever get on Facebook anymore, but I had to go back onto my old Facebook to find my post that I put for last week of me with the cat pin from my nephew. Mm-hmm. And while I was scrolling, I came across, I had forgotten about it and it just so perfectly lines up with this week. So I got to tell you, early days of memes, there wasn't, I, the this Starbucks red cup debacle, I think my very first meme I ever created on my own. Okay. So, and it's not what it was today. There wasn't the generators. There wasn't the whatever. Yeah. I had to go into Pick Monkey myself <laughs> to make it. And I had a picture of the, the red cups lined mm. up. And I put, it's just a cup. And then I put like the dash, like who's saying it. And I put Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I went and looked at it. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I remember doing this now. And it's funny because when you look at it today, I have no comments under it. But I remember it being a whole fucking thing. <laughs> I know. Like, so, and I think what it was is because the person who was arguing with me about it was like the parent of one of my friends. And they were like, I think it's taking the Christ out of Christmas, blah, 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 blah. And I think that they like blocked me. And so then it like deleted everything, you know, so that's why there's no comments now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I remember you even chiming in and being like, the fuck? <laughs> but, like, uh, but yeah, so this, you guys, just like a little moment in history. Whitney's, my first meme <laughs> was this fucking, I had to go into Pick Monkey to make this. I'll yep. post it. I remember having to make memes <laughs> yeah. at the time. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first one is the red wow. cup debacle. Because I remember being Very like, this appropriate. Is, I remember thinking like, this was fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, shh stop like yep. it's not a thing you're making it a thing you're and it's not it a, a fucking thing. thing and now that's every fucking day but i remember back then it mm-hmm. did feel sort of new to be like what wait we're all like on this right now yeah that's every fucking day now but back then it felt like this giant thing where i was like yeah. oh my god yeah. here we are so as if the video going viral wasn't enough the whole cup debacle was then introduced to a whole new audience, one that wouldn't necessarily have heard about it otherwise, and that's because it made its way into the 2016 presidential campaign. So um, once then-candidate Donald Trump heard about the whole cup drama, he said, quote, I have one of the most successful Starbucks in Trump Tower. Maybe we should boycott Starbucks? I don't know. Seriously, I don't care. That's the end of that lease, but who cares? So now we have people 
who have never even stepped foot in a Starbucks in their lives mm-hmm. <laughs> who are now hip to this war on Christmas mm-hmm. that supposedly Starbucks is waging. Because now it's made even more political than it already was. Mm-hmm. Like, it already was. But now it's taking it's taken to a different level because now it's become a talking point in a presidential campaign that most people are following. Mm-hmm. But... It's also that the Red Cup seemingly ushered in the inclusion of the war on Christmas in general as a campaign, like, talking point. Yeah. Because then Donald Trump began saying things like, quote, if I become president, we're all going to be saying Merry Christmas again. That I can tell you. That I can tell you. And he also said, quote, I guarantee if I become president, we're going to be saying Merry Christmas at every store. And just as an added tidbit. Um, Donald Trump went on none other than Mike Huckabee's Newsmax Christmas special titled Mike Huckabee's Christmas in America to discuss all of this and this war Mm -hmm. on Christmas and saying Merry Christmas and how he will make Merry Christmas like mandatory. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to point out that we hear these same names over and over again. So once again... That guy that Lego hair raged against the democratic machine with mm-hmm. makes an appearance. He just always pops up in these. Yeah, in this circle. Yeah, he does. More like Mike Yuckabee. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm into that. Mike <laughs> Yuckabee. Which is even funnier because I took it on for my older sister. My older sister is like my, my bestie. And she says yucca. Like instead yucca. of being like something's girl, she'll go yucca. So now Tim and I always say yucca. So. Yep. Mike Yuckaby. <laughs> Yucca. <laughs> so, in that year, the war on Christmas was brought to a new level as it reached a whole new audience and platform mm-hmm. via this presidential campaign. So much so, in fact, that in 2016, Bill O'Reilly, here he goes again, Bill declared the war on Christmas over, saying, quote, well, that culture war issue ignited and we won. Most companies stopped the nonsense and Merry Christmas became a common greeting once again. <laughs> but just because Bill declared it's over. You know, you were talking about fucking Josh's. What about fucking Bill's too? Yeah, fucking there's bills. a lot of bad Bill's. Get out of here, Bill's. Bad mm. Bill's. And you know what? The good Josh's and the good Bill's of the world want to fucking, they want to, f- of the world, they want to fucking word with you. You yep. know? They're like, could you not? I worked with an amazing manager named Bill. And you know, we know some great Joshes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Bills and Joshes of the world, they'd like a word. <laughs> you, The fact that it was like, oh, we won is interesting because this is a self-made conflict. Like, and- <laughs> he created... I mean, he helped create and push the message. Yeah, he of pushed this. it to a larger audience. Yeah, correct. So he helped, like, propagate this culture war that happened, and because it had been going on for so long, like, I guarantee you that was a way of being like, "Oh, we're gonna show our people that we did good." Like, give them a pat on the head. Yeah, we won. We won. Yep. There's a. My minor note is. In one of the leadership like talks that I watch that I like a lot, he talks about the infinite game. Who are you playing against? And one of the things he brings up is like when companies are like, 
we were the leading blah, blah, blah manufacturer all of last year. By what, what, how are you quantifying that? You're, you're not quantifying it by anything. You're just saying, nope, we're number one. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> yep. It's us. We're the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how this feels where it's like, nope, we won the game. It's like, nope, nope. Nobody else was playing the game that you said you were playing. <laughs> that you created. <laughs> that you created and, and pushed. And nobody, you were playing that by yourself. <laughs> yeah. So just because Bill O'Reilly claims the war to be over doesn't mean that everyone else thinks so. Kind of like what you're saying. And it still continued to be a topic of discussion. So just a couple more examples. In 2017, Focus on the Family, which they're worthy of a fucking dig of their own, but I'm moving past it. Focus on the Family, they declared a Merry Tossmas, where they encouraged people to toss out product catalogs and advertising that wish shoppers happy holidays. Fucking disgusting. Next year, our Christmas card should say Merry Tossmas. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? think Are you on board? I am on board. (laughs) So, like, this year our card is Happy Holidays, and last year I wanted it to be Happy Holidays, but after I designed the whole thing, it didn't look right, so I had to change it to Merry (laughs) Christmas, and when I was sending it to some of, like, our Jewish friends, I'm like, I'm sorry, but they're like, I don't give a fuck, you know, they're like, you know, whatever, but I'm like, I'm sorry, it just didn't look right, like, it was too squished, like, it just didn't. It was a formatting thing. (laughs) It it really, yeah, I'm like, it wasn't really, it was a a formatting issue, not an inclusion issue, Yeah, but they know me. Um. But yeah, next year it's fucking Mary Tossmas. <laughs> so in 2020, the war on Christmas evolved. Which actually, that's not allowed. So what would you call it then? If evolution isn't allowed in these circles, <laughs> what would we call it? Uh, it, 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 what? Graduated it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to think about that one for a minute. But in 2020, the new talking point about this war in regards, um, it be- it started to center around COVID restrictions. Mm. So it was now that they were coming after Christmas by not allowing large gatherings. Mm. So it's very unlikely that this war on Christmas sentiment will ever go away. It'll just change with the times. Mm-hmm. If it's not retailers, ads, and greetings, it's coffee cups. And if it's not coffee cups, it's just going to be something else. I think that's what we've learned here. Yep. I want to close this out by taking it back full circle to Peter Biblo, who <laughs> everybody's going to think his actual name is like Peter Biblo. Um, so Peter Biblo, who started all of this in regards to the war on Christmas now being, you know, like embraced by the mainstream conservative media when he was sort of like kicked out by them and people mm-hmm. weren't on board with him in the beginning. Right. He was kind of on his island talking all this Christmas stuff. Right. Mm hmm. So in regards to all of that and how now they've all embraced it, Peter chuckled and said, quote, they went over to the dark side. Wow. And that is the sort of origin and overview of the war on Christmas here in the United States. And like I said, I can dig into more about it in the future, but I wanted to give a sort of like big picture at first. So, you know, over the next few Christmases, you know, this this can be our own tradition. (laughs) Merry Tossmas. That's all I want to (laughs) say. It it really does, though. It it goes hand in hand with the belief that the United States is fundamentally a Christian nation. 
So I thought this was an interesting topic since in season three, we dug into like David Barton Mm -hmm. and the whole founding fathers thing and the like insistence that the U.S. is a Christian nation. Mm -hmm. It just, it all goes together. So I felt like this was taking that topic and being like, here's the Christmas spin Mm. of it. Um, But I just think it's so wild to take things like seasons, greetings and happy holidays and paint it in such a negative light. Mm-hmm. Like, it is fucking wild to me to mm-hmm. take it that far. Because mm-hmm. there are like 15 or something other holidays celebrated during this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, fuck people for trying to be inclusive of what other people celebrate. Mm-hmm. What an awful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Awful. Disgusting. But then when you have the mindset that this is a Christian nation, so Christmas is it, their minds can't even begin to go to inclusiveness. <laughs> like, Mm-mm. that's not a thing. It doesn't compute. Their way is the right way. Christianity is the only way of life. Mm-hmm. Christmas is the only holiday that matters. Mm-hmm. And anything other than that is a direct threat to it. Yeah. So, season's greetings, a threat. A snowman and a snowflake instead of a fucking Christmas tree on something? Threat. Disgusting. Like, it's all it's all a fucking threat. It's mm-hmm. it's just such a victim like state of mind that mm-hmm. I do not I cannot wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. I always think of like Arthur and I think I've talked about this on here before, but you know, Arthur my lovely little Arthur is a religious man, Christian religious man. And whenever things would happen like with us or like when we were trying to buy the house or like when we were doing things, there was a point in our relationship where he would be like, I'm praying for you. I'm sorry. And I remember telling him like, why are you apologizing for that? Like that's something that, that you do. And why would, why would I look negatively on that? Whether I believe it or not, whether you want to say it's prayers or vibes or well wishes or whatever it is, send them my way, buddy. I'll like, I'll take <laughs> it. Right. Like you're saying yeah. something positive. You're, you're, so why yeah. would I be mad? Because I don't necessarily subscribe to that mindset. Yeah. Why would I be so shitty about it? And it's the same idea. Like, it's not like these things say happy holidays and, and then in really small parentheses it says fuck, fuck Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. yeah there's, that's not what's happening here. I, they just don't have the ability to not be actively participating in something themselves and still see the good intention behind it. So, we had this conversation. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. So like okay so you and i are not like we don't pray on a a regular basis that's not our thing but when the intention behind that is one of genuine like well wishing now there would be it would be a fucking different case if someone is being a condescending piece of shit and saying i'm gonna pray for you because they're (laughs) like saying something about me like in a negative light but if it is coming from a place of genuine like like love and concern and like hope and like whatever like Mm -hmm. why would i fucking shit on that the intention behind it is good it -hmm. is inherently good so a person saying fucking i'm gonna get mad i'm getting mad so a person i feel like a level-headed person 
if we'll take the good intention behind a happy holidays, a season's greetings, a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, and understand the good thing. Now, I will say people who celebrate other things, I can I understand the part of being like, you're not the only ones. Christians aren't the only ones in existence. Yeah. I understand that mindset. But I still think that if like more more rational people will understand like, hey, if they meant it not in an asshole way, just trying to push Christianity at me and they say mm-hmm. Merry Christmas and then I understand that they're just coming from a place of well-wish. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and so it's like, why do you have to take something that has good intention behind it and make it something so shitty that it's not? Mm-hmm. You don't have to absolutely perfectly subscribe or participate in the thing that they're saying to take a, a good intention from it. But I mean, do you really just not like greetings of the season? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. like, oh, oh, no holiday. Oh, no happy holidays. That's no good. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Wait, I think about, I was off on Thanksgiving because the company I work for closes their restaurants on Thanksgiving and Christmas so their employees can spend time however they want. This is new for us. This is very new. And, you know, I had multiple employees that were like, yeah, I don't do anything for Thanksgiving. And when I came back, I was, did you have a good day off? Was how I asked everybody. And some of them were like, oh, yeah. And it was like, I took my dog for a really good walk. And then we, you know, binged this show on Netflix. Cool. That's how that person chose to take their day off. But enjoy your day off. And when I went to my sister-in-law's house for Thanksgiving, we were talking about it. And it's like the fights, especially in the service and retail industry around days off, around certain holidays, are hard. Because everybody wants to be off on a specific day or around that time. And, you know, the amount of people that we're going to be eating in our establishment on a day that is mostly known for eating, you know, amongst family, she was like, you can't be everything to everybody. And it was like, you're making your employees happy because they get to spend the day however they want. And is it worth having all of them there to looking, just looking at a restaurant? Like, is it worth having all of those people there to not make any money for like the four people that would show up at our restaurant I work at now? And like, that's one thing I keep thinking about this. These retail employees that are apparently soldiers on the front lines here. Of this war against Christmas. Probably just want to be like, look, I want a blanket term that's well-wishing that I can say to everybody that doesn't offend anybody because it's not specific, but it shows well-wishes and thank you for coming and patronizing our store. Yeah. Like, so the fact that this is being like spun into something that's weaponized is like fucking awful. It's awful. Yeah. It's like, just fucking move on. Like, do you, you don't have nothing else to fucking worry about. <laughs> I do want to point something out. So, Tim, you've only seen Mean Girls once since because I made him watch it. So you may not remember this. But um, there's a scene where Regina George tells Katie that she's pretty. And she says, Katie says, thank you. And so Regina's like, so you agree. So you think you're really pretty. So you've probably seen it, but that's turned into a meme that I love that people (laughs) people, um, use a lot. 
And I totally thought of that scene and that meme as I was doing this dig. So back to Peter Biblo and how he was, he basically has this fear of white people becoming the minority. And then we have Bill O'Reilly saying that Christmas is becoming marginalized. Sure, Bill. Um, you can't be in the majority and then like, it doesn't work. Any who's old doesn't work that way. But so then he's saying that it's becoming marginalized. I feel like Regina George where I'm like, so you agree being a minority and marginalized sucks. Like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, if you're going to if you're going to fight against these things so hard for those reasons, I'm like, so you agree. So you're saying that. So you're saying it sucks for the minorities here in the United States. So you're saying it sucks to be marginalized and not be the one in control because there's more of you. Is that what you're saying? Because that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Just thought it was funny. And I want to point that out. Yeah. And you know what else this whole dig makes me think of? What's that? You know, we love Drunk Uncle. We've talked about Drunkle. Drunk Drunkle. That's pretty Drunkle. good. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Talked about Drunk Uncle quite a bit here from SNL. Great character. And there's that um, scene where he says, you can't even... <laughs> You can't even say Merry Christmas any- anymore. You have to say, hey, baby Jesus, you want to do Pilates? You want to do Pilates? Yeah. <laughs> so, made me think of that. Oh, man. Because Drunk Uncle is exactly the person who would be all up in arms, all up about, in arms the about this yep. on Christmas. So. And that's the shtick of it. If you guys, if we haven't talked about it in a while, it's supposed to be the thing where he's the uncle at a, at a family gathering that gets drunk and starts saying things that are off color can't even say merry christmas anymore you gotta say hey baby jesus you want to do pilates <laughs> oh, so that is my dig for this week fine and you know what he would say about peter biblo finally somebody's saying the things that i've been thinking and, and also <laughs> saying yeah, <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, and that was other things i left out about peter biblo it's like there's points where he like they literally say like we're saying the things that people that that that, the side of the right won't say they won't actually talk about the race of it they'll just talk about like when he talk about immigration and things Mm -hmm. like that but it is a whole thing it's also very glossing over the fact that not every person that is of lighter skin and less melanin is christian that's like a whole other thing (laughs) It's just, it's, there's so many, um, assumptions and presumptions of this whole dig. Mental like, gymnastics. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Ready to dig on some stuff? Yeah. You can go first. Oh, okay. All right. So, <clears throat> Whitney and I have two very distinct Christmas playlists. And <gasps> You're talking about music too? Yeah. So am I. Go ahead. And I want to actually shout out another podcast that I mentioned in the first, I mentioned part of it in the first part, so I'll get there. Um, so I have my own Christmas playlist and my Christmas playlist has some postmodern jukebox stuff, some she and him, because they have an amazing couple of Christmas albums. Um, but then I also have some other like different things. I have uh Dennis Leary at Merry Fucking Christmas and, you know, all these other kind of like comedy ones and and different things. One of my favorites will always be one of my favorite punk bands is the Vandals. And 
amazing albums, but they have a song that got really big that was called Oi to the World. And what's funny is that the lead singer of the Vandals is not British, but he sings the entire thing in a British accent. And I was always curious about it, like where the genesis of the song came from. Was it an old song? What was it, you know, pre a certain time there wasn't a whole lot of like punk Christmas music, especially in a movement where you're supposed to be like anti-establishment. You know what I mean? There's there's not pre like late eighties. There's not a whole lot of like punk Christmas music. So um, they're supposed to be like, fuck Christmas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're Um, they're exactly the problem in this. You know, they're, they're in the war on Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So um, the song became big because no doubt did a cover of it. <laughs> did a cover of it and i didn't know that the vandals were the og so the i mentioned less than jake from gainesville florida in the first part of this the lead singer chris has a podcast and every podcast is him talking to people in in that industry about specific songs or albums or tours they went on and he talks to the songwriter guitar player of the Vandals about where this song came from. And I'm, I'll, I promise you this isn't going to be super long. There used to be a punk band from Britain that was called The Boys. And The Boys had... Are they back in town? <laughs> they had some Christmas music, but it was all like super, like that era of punk, kind of like dirty, lots of cuss words, lots of like, fuck this and, you know. So it wasn't like very merry Christmas music. It was just kind of Christmas music. So they were like, we wanted to do a Christmas song that we felt would like get the crowd going, but felt very much to the era. So that's why he sang in a British accent. But it's an amazing story of how this song came out. So what I'm going to shout out is The Vandals, Oi to the World. Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. No Doubt doing an amazing cover of it Mm -hmm. very early in the No Doubt days. And the podcast called Chris D makes a podcast. Is this like a three for one? Yep. So I love the Vandals. I love punk Christmas music, especially when it's covered by No Doubt. And I love Chris to makes a podcast. There you go. That is what I'm digging on. So I think I talked about it last week. How you were like where when I was like, oh, do you have your you're digging on ready and you're like is it christmas thing and i was like yes <laughs> so i was going to make a concerted effort this week to have a non-christmas digging oh, on we're in the season and actually i was i had thought of something not seasonal earlier in the week and i remember being like that's it that's what i'm gonna do and i couldn't i know i cannot fucking remember it i have no idea what it was it's meant not to be. a fucking clue so mine is also holiday music related nice. and also not traditional nice. <laughs> holiday music related so here's the thing. You know, you have the eras of your life of like, you would say my favorite band at the different eras. Like if you asked me today, I would say my favorite bands are the Foo Fighters and Anne Berlin. Okay. But if you asked 16 year old, 17 year old Whitney, I would say the used. Mm-hmm. That was like my fucking shit. So I love the song Alone This Holiday by the used because it scratches that fucking emo, like <laughs> elder millennial itch. While still being festive, mm-hmm. it gets me fucking going. I'll, I'll listen to it like five times in a row because I'm like, it's like, it's just the sound I love. Um, and yeah, I love it. So, The Used, Alone This Holiday. 
And I will say that I'm pretty sure it's not the use. I think it's technically just Burt McCracken, okay. which is the lead singer, mm-hmm. um, with some other like people. I also like Burt McCracken's um, version of Happy Christmas. Mm. Like War is Over. That's I actually really have good. that one on my playlist. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love all of those. Oh, and because I just talked about Anne Berlin, I love Anne Berlin's um, Christmas. The snow's coming down. Christmas, I'm watching it fall. That's another good. Uh, yeah. He's a good voice for that song. Baby, please come home. Okay, so I guess that's three songs. See? Hmm, three for one. Alone this holiday. The, I, didn't, I wasn't judging when I said that. I said it as a bonus. You said it like they say Jenga in the old commercial. Jenga. <laughs> Alone this holiday, the used. Happy Christmas by Burt McCracken. And mm-hmm. what's that song actually called? I'm coming. Wait, wait. What's the Christmas? Baby, please come home. Baby, there you go. There you go. <laughs> by Amber Lynn. It took me a little bit. Yeah, I had to I'm sing not, it in yeah, my head. No, that's the problem. So I'm like, wait, what the fuck is the actual name? Because I just The snow's go, coming down? <laughs> so those are, that's my digging on. Yeah. But I, so people who don't want to hear more, you can, this is your cue. Can I, last week my, um digging on was the santa hutch right mm-hmm. want to give a little bonus okay i have an add-on as well so this year do you want to go first go nope. first so we'll go in order like we'll go back Mm-mm. and forth ping-ponging nope go ahead you already started so a really exciting addition to this year's santa hutch which kicks last year's ass um but an exciting addition addition is that so when my mom was moving out of her house last year, I was going through a bunch of old papers, pictures, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I came across one of my letters to Santa. <laughs> and I would like to read it to you all. Ready. <clears throat> Dear Santa, I would like a Barbie bike, the Barbie phone, a new bedroom, and a small kitchen. Please pick one out. <laughs> and then in parentheses, I put... If I've been a good girl. <laughs> Love, Whitney. And I have many things to say here. Let's start from the top, okay? First of all, I hope you, this proves when I told you guys, I said repeatedly, I was a Barbie girl. Mm-hmm. I hope this proves it because I asked for a Barbie bike and the Barbie phone. <laughs> so I was a Barbie girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, me asking for a new bedroom. That was because I truly believed and you know, I always had to share with my sister. I truly believed in the magic of Santa. He can make anything happen. And I believed he could. I, I, but I remember the, the funny part, Tim, is I really I think I talked about it in our Christmas little one last year. But I truly was like, I thought through the process and I'm like, we have extra room in our backyard. He can just put it here. Like, like, it if, on, yeah. like if we would have had a big enough backyard, I think I would have been like, oh, that's a too big of an ask. You know, <laughs> but I was like. We got the, the contracting room. Alone. He can make it happen. There's room. But then the thing is, and I asked for it year after year, and it never happened. But I was never disappointed. <laughs> like, I was never mad. I was never like, fuck Santa. He didn't give me my wish. You're like, that one's a little big. Was, I felt like he has his reasons. It's a big ask. He, yeah, it's a big <laughs> ask. He must have his reasons. I'll try again next year. I was never upset about it. Um, the And a small kitchen. I Oh, God, Tim. My entire life as a child, all I wanted was a play kitchen. And actually, it almost makes me sad that to this day, my mom was like, I wanted to get that for you so many years. And your dad said no every time. That sucks. So like, I never. And so then when my niece, Katie, 
because we babysat her like four or five nights a week mm-hmm. when 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 she got one i was like fuck this little bitch <laughs> like and i was like playing with her with it because i like 12 because i was like i never got this katie i don't really mean it you're not a bitch it's, it's you're not a bitch i love you dearly love you katie uh... um but yeah so it's like i never got a fucking kitchen mm-hmm. and so i asked for that all the time and me saying please pick one in parentheses if i've been a good girl <laughs> clearly my overuse of parentheses goes way back <laughs> i did not realize like co- judging by this oh because i will i'll well, i'll get to it in a i didn't read the ps oh man we'll get there okay so clearly i know that this is either kindergarten or first grade it's one or the other okay so the excessive use of parentheses had to be first grade it's first grade if i've been a good girl started very early because i'm constantly feel the need to make sure that everybody understands me that it's clarified over explain the the anxiousness Mm -hmm. so now to see that on paper that it goes way back helps you know i also want to point out that it's hilarious that you kind of didn't want to make a decision you were leaving it up to santa (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) um you're like (laughs) and then the ps gets me all kinds of confused are you ready for the ps all right mildred are you ready ps your snack is an apple and anything you want to drink parentheses sprite milk water etc but i put ect <laughs> man he's you, okay you gave him a choice yeah yeah so i'm a little baffled I, i'm actually a little bit um like i feel like my childhood is a lie in my head we offered santa a blt every year mm-hmm. now i'm like it's clearly not an every year thing i'm like did that happen now i'm like did it only happen one time <laughs> and in my head i made it every year because that's better <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so i'm like here i am like i just want to at this point in my life santa is the man in my life and i'm offering him a fucking apple and like remnants in the fridge sprite milk water he was gonna be like the old sunny d commercial what do we got in here soda purple stuff sunny d I just, like this is what i'm offering the man uh, fucking scrap like where was my mom Helping me, like, leave out a, a, a respectable option for Santa. And I'm like, you can have a fucking apple? An <laughs> apple. I don't even like apples. Uh, I'm confused. I don't even like apples. It's very funny. <laughs> so then the reply from Santa, very clearly in my mother's handwriting, no try to disguising it, like, <laughs> whatsoever. No effort. Says, thanks for the apple and the milk. Parentheses. And I snuck a cooking cookie. Hope you like the bike. Love Santa. So I got a bike. <laughs> I knew oh, I didn't get the bedroom or the yeah. kitchen. So I mean, and I didn't get the Barbie phone, but I got. Did you get I, the bike? I didn't. I got a bike. It was not a Barbie bike. It was actually way too big for me. Oh, I'll, this is going to bring up a whole childhood. <laughs> my they got it way too big for me, obviously, because they're like my parents were poor, and it was like you. We need something she can grow into. It was so fucking tall. <laughs> I remember my dad trying to like get me to write it and my mom made me wear like a really thick jean jacket that was my older sister's because she knew I was going to fucking eat shit constantly mm-hmm. and she yeah. needed there to be like you need some sort of need, padding. I need some sort of, we had no actual pads and I just remember falling off of it repeatedly and crying because it was too fucking tall. It was meant for like a fucking 6th grader and I was in 1st grade <laughs> and it wasn't a Barbie bike. There's a 
old George Lopez joke about that where he was like, you get a bike and it's too big for you and your your parents get you on and they're trying to teach you to ride the bike. And same thing. They don't get you pads, but they make you wear a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> literally and, my life. and he was like, I remember I have very distinct memories of riding down the street and falling and trying to fall into the grass and like eating it on the sidewalk. And then my grandmother who raised him going, you're the one that wanted a bike. <laughs> I feel like I very much relate to George Lopez. <laughs> oh, uh... I'm going to make it very quick. But my oldest sister, who's my bestie, I found a letter to Santa Claus that she wrote to. Amazing. And it says, dear Santa Claus. Here you please, go, Katie. Please bring. Yeah, Katie, your mom. Dear Santa Claus, please bring me a Barbie doll. See, we love Barbies. Would you bring me a doll? <laughs> I like to celebrate Christmas because there's no E. There's no cele. It's I like to celebrate, celebrate Christmas. So, yeah. She was trying to get the word count up. So that's why that question came in. Would you bring me a doll? <laughs> uh, so that was my, um, my addition to the Santa Hutch this year. Amazing. He was the man in my life and I, get, and I offered him an apple. There goes Where's the man. BLT, mom? Where's the fucking cookies? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I couldn't do it alone. I was in first grade. I was already ironing my own clothes. Can you can you get <laughs> can you Santa throw, some can like you help awful... me out here? God. Packing my own lunch, ironing my own fucking clothes. Can you help me out with Santa? <laughs> I need a spread uh... for the man in my life. <laughs> uh... Would you All like right. to do your add-on? Yeah. I've talked about this before. I think it was last Christmas. Um, I gave you my heart. That's what I was waiting for. So Whitney loves Paul McCartney around Christmas time. Sure do. It makes your shoulders go. It's my favorite song. It makes your shoulders go. So I talked about this last year. My my twofold add-on very quickly. Um, one of my favorite comic book artists is named Dan Mora. Dan, if you're listening... I love you. He's not listening. Um, so he did a comic book that was, it was in the middle of a run that was like Batman, Superman. And they did like a variant cover that was inside the Batcave. And it was all of like the Robins and the Batgirls and all of the different characters were like celebrating Christmas in the Batcave. And then there was a TV that's supposed to be them singing karaoke. And on it, it has a thing that says, um, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney is what they're singing. And then in the foreground, in the very middle, it's Superman and Paul McCartney holding microphones singing that song. Mm. So I told Whitney she would love that because technically this means that now Paul McCartney is, is this- canon in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And second, Superman loves Wonderful Christmas Time. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite song. If I have to pick one song, that's my favorite song. Yeah. So I think I might give you that to, bum, 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 to post that picture because it's so good. Okay. All right. That was my comic book corner. Nice. <laughs> All sorts of corners these days. <laughs> so this is the last episode of 2023. I know it's kind of weird that we've only been back for three weeks, but, you know, back from the season Mm -hmm. break. But a holiday break was always planned, and just that's just kind of how the seasons fell. It's no 
no way around it. Mm-hmm. So the options were either come back for three weeks before breaking again or just be gone for like six, seven weeks straight. So yeah. we didn't want to do that. Yeah. So yeah. that's how it panned out. I, I am a little burnt out. Uh, <laughs> I could use a break and we've been go, go, go even through our last break. We have our Christmas party this weekend, which I'm so excited about. And we've been preparing for it for a long time. You know, we had to cancel Since last October. year because we got sick. So it's, you know, really exciting. We're really looking forward to it. And then after our party on Sunday, I just really want to enjoy like the week before Christmas as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I just know I'd have so much regret if I didn't take that week to try to just stop, like pause mm-hmm. a little bit. We're both still working our other jobs. So it's not like it's not like a full week off, but just off from like the pod i just know that if i were trying to like do the party and then try to shove in some episode next week before it's just not it's not gonna happen so i've watched like two christmas movies same here like i've been so behind so we want to take next week and then so we'll take a minimum of two weeks we'll see if it turns to three two three weeks we'll you know we're not sure but i do just want to take the time that we can enjoy the holidays so this is the last episode of the year yeah we have a lot going on too. Like we also have both of our birthdays in that time period. Yeah, <laughs> you know so. what I mean? Like it's a lot. We've got so. my birthday, then the party, then Christmas, then your birthday, then New Year's. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, still working and doing all the other stuff. And yeah. yeah and our- Be prepared for the Christmas content though. Cause we have a lot of little funny Christmas things. We've been well, and that's about. why I'm excited because honestly, I know you probably like people might think like, how hard is it to share a post? How hard is it to make a reel? No, actually mm-hmm. it takes Mm-hmm. time with all the other things that i'm doing so i'm like taking off from creating the episode mm-hmm. like i can do some stuff on instagram and i yeah. can enjoy and we can watch our christmas movies and mm-hmm. i can work during the day for my other job but then actually devote the nights to watching a, like watching christmas movie, wrapping gifts and like mm-hmm. just kind of taking it all in where right now it is just i'm going Non-stop. every i'm going from the second i wake up till one in the morning so it's yeah time for a little break agree i would just be pissed at myself if i didn't take in the holidays a little mm-hmm. bit so yeah so that's that's it for the 2023 <laughs> y'all y'all well thank you for being here for 2023 we appreciate it as always if you enjoy what you have been listening to feel free to buy us a pickle on um buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. You can do one time um, pickle buying or there's the monthly $5 a month. For those with the servant's heart. There's bonus content. We just put out an episode today. We put out episodes. There's Mildred Mondays. We post recipes. Um, yeah, YouTube there's just, videos. Yeah, like, just, yeah. You know, just extras. So if you mm-hmm. want to be a part of that, go over on buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. We will be posting on Buy Me a Coffee during the break. Mm-hmm. So there will still be bonus episodes. We do a bit more like personal type stuff for like mm-hmm. whatever over there. So yeah, you'll still hear from us during the break when you're over there. Yep. You can enjoy our episode visuals and other stuff, Mildred related content on Instagram at digging up the Duggers pod. And if you'd like to send us some more traditional snail mail, we do have a P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. We did watch The Grinch. We've watched two, two Grinches, Grinches this year. 
Um, and I also realized you can't stream Die Hard, like the OG, anywhere. So, yeah. so the point I was going to make was watch Die Hard. It's a good one.